Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we talk about the Detroit Pistons roster, which is hopefully complete and looks a lot different than it used to. Ben Gulker and I discuss what about the roster makes sense, what doesn't, who is destined to be on the roster long term, who isn't, and what the team's strengths and weaknesses should be. We also talk a little bit about how Pistons fans should be can choose to be looking at this season as always we appreciate your continued support of the podcast the best way to do that is to share subscribe and leave comments please leave comments on the discussion post on detroit bad boys that's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the show in order to do that though you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for pistons news and analysis this season With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, pleased as always to be joined by my usual co-host Ben Gulker. What's up, Ben? Hey, Laz. Happy late Thanksgiving to you and to everybody listening. Hope y'all had uh, something resembling some normalcy in this very odd and strange year. Of course, we did have the Lions get spanked, so there was that part of normalcy that tends to be with us every season. Yeah, I hope everyone had a uh, had a safe. Thanksgiving. We'll go with safe as the adjective of the uh of the time. And uh yeah, we're gonna have some a lot of piston stuff to talk about today. So Ben, the the first thing I really wanted to talk about was the last quote unquote major uh <laughs> roster <laughs> addition. The uh Pistons signed Wayne Ellington to a one year veterans minimum deal. Ben, what'd you think of the uh the return, the triumphant return of Wayne Ellington? Running it back with Wayne Ellington is not something I thought we would see, Laz. I do have to say that. Me you know, th- this is fine. I mean, vet minimums, whatever. You, you, I don't have a problem with it. Um, it it's got to be said, though, I don't think Wayne Ellington is particularly good, so I don't think he really moves the needle. So, you know, it kind of almost feels like stealth tanky, right? So, like, you give yourself this guy who can space the floor a little bit. He makes sure that at least defenses have to – respect him to some degree, right? Like he keeps the defense honest. And I think that's good when you consider the fact that we've got a really young point guard and some other young players who um, need some space to be successful. So, you know, obviously he's not enough to move the needle by himself. Wayne Ellington isn't making or breaking anything. Um, But yeah, it gives you sort of that placeholder shooting guard to spread the floor a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it has definitely felt to me like the the coaching staff and the front office kind of looked up after the the flurry of transactions they had done at the beginning of free agency and was like oh crap we we need like one more shooter on the team <laughs> and so hey the the return of Wayne Ellington i i wonder if he'll still be able to do a lot of the off movement stuff he did the last time he was here a lot of those like flying off a pin down and getting a dho from Blake Griffin and and firing up a, a three with uh with his body contorted but that's the shot he's he's good at making i wonder how uh how well he can still kind of do that stuff 2 years later um 
and at age uh, 33 34 i think he is um but yeah like like you said this is this should uh not really marginally impact the team that much and and so it's good to have a guy like wayne ellington a guy who can shoot uh, around your team you know with that the the roster i hope fingers crossed it's pretty set we we have some things that we uh think are going to happen and we have some free agent signings that actually haven't been announced yet but uh but so far i wanted to so i wanted to take the rest of the episode to to kind of look at where the roster is heading into the season before training camp starts uh so the Pistons at point guard have Killian Hayes, Derek Rose, Daylon Wright, and Saban Lee on a two-way. At shooting guard, we've got Svi Mikhailuk, Rodney Magruder, still, sort of, kind of, Wayne Ellington, we just mentioned, Zanin Musa, and Zaire Smith, maybe, sort of, kind of, another guy whose status is uh, is up in the air. At a small forward, you, we can quibble with my categorizations of the roster, but at small forward, we've got Seku, Josh Jackson, Sadiq Bey, and Lewis King. Uh, I think... Lewis King is also like on a camp deal, so he's not guaranteed to make the roster. Um, we got at power four, we got Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, and Anthony Lamb, who is the uh, a piss, uh, pickup on a uh, Exhibit Ten or uh, Ten Day for the for training camp purposes. I don't expect him to make the full roster, and if he does, we'll we'll talk about him some. And then uh, at center, we've got Mason Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, and Isaiah Stewart. So Ben, what, what do we got in this roster? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a roster. Um, there are enough Six, play- sixteen there enough, dudes. There are enough players on the roster, so there's <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, man, I I don't think this is a very good team. Um, I, I think barring something like, you know, Killian Hayes being two years ahead of where all the scouts thought he was like, right. Like you would need him to just be fantastic or you would mm-hmm. need Seiko to be just like a breakout star, right? Like something like that happening. Um, you know, I think barring that it's a, it's a bad team. Um, you know, I, I look at the roster on paper and my first thought is Derek Rose and Blake Griffin just make even less sense to me than they did even a week ago. Um, as I continue to look at the roster, um, I think there's some case to be made for Derek Rose as sort of a mentor to Killian Hayes like having a seasoned experienced point guard who has gone through what Rose has gone through in his career, uh, maybe make some, maybe make some sense. But the flip side of that coin is I don't think you want Killian Hayes turning into Derrick Rose either, right? Like you want a more modern point guard. Derrick Rose still feels in many ways like the relic of the past, right? Kind of like uh, Dwayne Wade did in his final years where, you know, so much reliance on the mid game and that part of the game just all but disappearing. You like, you know, those kinds of things I think I see in Derrick Rose as well. Um, and then of course, you know, there's the Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant situation. As you slotted them, you have Jeremy Grant as a power forward. Um, it'll be interesting to say positionally where Jeremy Grant ends up. Um, can he play small forward next to Blake Griffin and Mason Plumley? And if he can, do you want that? Um, <laughs> uh, so if, if, if he is slotted though, as mostly a power forward, you end up with this really weird log jam, right? If Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant, you've got your, two highest paid guys on the roster uh, in the front court again, right? Which is what we just cleared out trading Andre Drummond just a few short months ago. So kind of confusing. Um, I would say the second thing that stands out to me is you've got just enough veterans on the roster to make me nervous that coach Casey is going to like 
make me want to throw my remote control at the TV for the first 20 or 30 games. You know, there's lots of ways to handle young players. Coach Casey, his philosophy seems to be if you can compete and earn it on defense, then then you can see the floor, right? Um, agree or disagree, that's kind of that's kind of how he rolls. So I, I have a feeling maybe we'll be craving to see the young guys a little while we're watching DeLon Wright and Wayne Ellington play a lot of minutes. We'd rather see uh, other other guys play. Um, and, you know, this isn't so much about the players as it is the roster as a whole. I've thought about it a lot the past seven to ten days, and I still – I don't know, man. I think I lean towards being more disappointed with the free agent signings than I was even a week ago when we talked. Um, I'm feeling puzzled about the salary profile. I'm hoping that Troy Weaver has this plan in his head that's, you know, three-dimensional or four-dimensional chess and we're playing 2D checkers um, because right now I'm feeling kind of bummed about uh, about the salary crap profile. But the salary crap profile is about what I, <laughs> about what I meant, <laughs> I think. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't think it's a very good team. I don't think that's bad. Um, but I, I think uh, it's, they've got to make some some good decisions about how to develop these young guys, obviously. What do you think, Laz? What are we looking at this year? Yeah, I think this, is, I think this isn't a very good team, and I think that's intentional. And it's – that makes the free agency period even weirder when you think about the like uh the intentionality of the of the long term but i think that loops back to your first point that Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose don't make a lot of sense on this roster and frankly i don't expect both of those guys to be here in 12 months right you know, Derek Rose's contract expires, right? So he, uh, unless the Pistons like really, really just value what he brings, you know, even as an off the court, like leader in the locker room type, uh, like I struggle to see why he would even return to Detroit uh, next off season. And then uh, Blake Griffin, we talked about this a little bit last podcast, but to me, like Jeremy Grant just seems like an excellent uh, like replacement for when Blake Griffin inevitably gets traded after he's able to prove uh, that he can still play at a relatively high uh, level or so. And, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at with Blake and Derek. Um, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of uh, gotten a lot of like kind of noise that like Derek Rose is like universally beloved around the NBA and respected. I don't know like what that means in terms of like locker room leadership. When, when we talk about like what Killian, what lessons Killian Hayes is going to learn from Derek Rose. Like, I don't know exactly what that means from an on-court perspective. I'm not necessarily like worried about Killian Hayes uh, becoming more like score orientated like Derek Rose is. Um, I wouldn't mind him picking up some like tips and tricks though on like finishing around the rim and like off foot finishes and attacking. Uh, so, you know, I don't I don't mind that to start, but, you know, I, I don't really see uh, a need for Derrick Rose to be here kind of in the long term. The other thing I really see on this roster, we joked about it a little bit with Wayne Ellington, but there's not a lot of shooting on this roster. Right. Like, uh, so like Svee is your best shooter. Then it might then it's probably Wayne Ellington who you just picked up on a vet minimum. And then it's like. Maybe it's Sadiq Bay. Maybe it's Jeremy Grant from a pure like catch and shoot perspective, right? Like he shot thirty nine percent from three last season. You know, maybe it's Blake Griffin, who we the last time we saw him fully healthy was like actually like pretty good. 
at shooting threes. Um, but I, I think the the lack of concrete floor spacing is going to really impact the development of these guys uh, unless these guys can act as their own floor spacers, right? Um, we've already gotten some uh, hints that they're trying to stretch out Isaiah Stewart's range to three-point land. And, you know, people point to the fact that he shot, you know, 75-plus percent from the free-throw line uh, in college. We'll, we'll see where that goes. He was a post-up guy in college. Uh, Sadiq Bey um, shot over 40% from three at Villanova, but that was with the college line, taking a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. Like, you hope he's ready to step in right away and hit NBA-level uh, three-pointers but that's not a given same thing with Killian Hayes, right? Like and Killian even shot, you know, 29% uh, over the course of uh, uh, play in the German BBL. And so you, you don't think he's going to come in and spa- be a floor spacer right, right away for the team. And so like, yeah, it, this team needs to lean on its strengths and this team does, does have some strengths, right? Like they are, they are long, they are athletic and uh, they should be able to get up and down and transition and play defense. And I think that, you know, I trust Dwayne Casey to at least see that, right? Like that uh, this team should not play like the team uh, in 2018 where we were like throwing the ball into Blake at the elbow on the left block uh, 20 times a game uh, to squeeze out some offense. Like I I think we should at least like recognize that like, hey, like this team should uh, not try and play a half court style of basketball this team should try and get up and down and play defense and, and rebound and run the ball uh that way and then i do see a lot of like lineup versatility i don't know how much uh you see with that but like we we talked about jeremy grant at small forward right there's also a possibility you know in time you put jeremy grant at center i think there was uh there's like if you play a lineup with jeremy grant and blake griffin on the court at the same time I think if you don't have another big man on the floor, if you don't have a Mason Plumley or Jaleel Okafor clogging the lane, like you can play kind of a five out lineup with Grant, you know, guarding centers and, and Blake kind of doing his team defender power forward help def- defense thing. And so like, yeah, I think, I think that makes that element, that backcourt element makes a little bit of sense. Uh, I, I want to see some uh, Seku, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin minutes just to have like, just to have those uh those minutes uh in my uh like database of like what what's gonna work for future iterations of the team, um you want to see you know uh lineups with like uh, Sadiq Bay at four right you want to see lineups with Seku at four, um Seku's gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle of the rotation here, um we we don't he's definitely I don't want to actually he's probably not going to start probably. But uh, so you wonder what kind of rotation minutes he's going to see. Obviously, he struggled uh, after starting the year strong. And so you you definitely hope he's part of the rotation early. But, you know, Dwayne, again, Dwayne Casey not wanting to play the young guys. Seku has to earn it on defense. We'll see if that if that comes to pass. Um, but, yeah, this team, I think like this is this is an obvious point, Ben. But like this team is so different from the last time we saw like the Pistons play. But like, I'm just very curious to see what it all looks like when it's all put together, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's it's stating the obvious, but it's such a big obvious, right? Like, I mean, it's just such a dramatic turnover. There's nothing. I mean, really, other than Derrick Rose presumably running the second unit and Blake Griffin presumably running the first unit, 
like there's there's nothing that's the same it's it's gonna have to be completely different yeah i mean like i was trying to watch uh games that happened last year just to like it's like okay like where where's svi at where where's seiku at and like i was trying to do that um to kind of recalibrate and it was impossible because like you know Derek Rose is playing 30 minutes a night and like, oh, hey, look, there's Langston. They're running plays for Langston. There's Brandon Knight running the the offense off the uh, off the bench. Like, he's not here anymore. It's like, here's Jordan McRae. Like, Jordan McRae's not here anymore. It's like, okay, here's Thon and Christian Wood, like, making plays in, in the front court. Well, neither one of those guys are there, right? Like, as there's, there's no, like, point of evaluation for how this team will operate as a, as a team. And that's right. so weird. I hope the I hope the coaching staff is kind of able to adjust and and make something uh, of that. Well, and of all the, and of all the seasons for that to happen, like you get a four game preseason, abbreviated training camp, a pandemic to navigate. Like, not the ideal time for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, like free agency was just last week. Yeah. Like now you have to get on a plane from Denver and like just start scrimmaging with these guys before before starting some uh, some uh, some preseason games man so what do you so what are some things you you do want to see from this like newly assembled like team though man like what are what are you looking for to come out of like the preseason well you mentioned lineup versatility um that can be a pro and a con right because in the in the best case scenario a guy like Jeremy Grant um, you could potentially slot him at either forward position, depending on matchups, right? Like the hope is uh, physically he's versatile enough skill set wise. He's versatile enough. We know he's versatile enough defensively, right? but it's, it's the offensive part that, that needs to scale up depending on the, the matchup. So on the plus side, like I think that could be really interesting to watch because you've got that with him. You've got that with uh, Seku to some degree, um, you've got the potential to go small, as you hinted at, with Blake as a small ball five. So I, I think that's probably the thing I'm, I'm interested in the most. Like, what are some creative lineups and what could those creative lineups do in a way that makes it really interesting to watch? I don't think there's a way to shuffle the deck to make, you know, like two or three really competitive lineups. I do think the team is going to lose a lot. But I think you could potentially have like one and a half interesting and competitive <laughs> lineups that include enough of the young players that it makes for some some fun basketball to watch. Right. So I think maybe small ball, I hate small ball, but I think that actually might be some of the most interesting basketball. And I, I hope like we can see enough of the small ball with with the young guys in it. So like if we assume that Blake Griffin is not part of the long-term plans and isn't going to be here in a, a year, like I could envision this lineup where you're rolling out Killian Hayes, V, Sadiq Bey, Seku, and Jeremy Grant. And that's like, it's kind of a yikes because who's going to rebound. And if they have a big man, obviously that puts you in some trouble. But at the same time, like, that might be kind of fun. Like there's enough athleticism there. There's enough length there to make up for the lack of height and you can switch like crazy. Right. So, uh, especially with those two big guys. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what I'm mostly looking forward to is this, this versatility that you spoke to. Now, I think the downside to that is, you know, we've seen this in the past. If you go back far enough into Pistons history, where you get these guys who 
they're not really good at either guard position, so you call them a combo guard, right? Like, that's what you don't want. Or the tweener forward who's not really good enough at either forward responsibility uh, to be permanent at either side. So that's what you don't want. Um, but yeah, versatility is the main thing. And then I think the second thing is, is how good is Killian Hayes? Uh, his shot was obviously the thing um, that it was concerning, looking at all the scouting and all the tape. Um, is his three pro- three point shot progressing? And then what does he look like and how far away is he uh, from being a legitimate player? Um, you know, what I'm hoping for out of him is I'm, I'm really, really hoping that he can stay out of coach Casey's doghouse. Um, I hope that he's, he's strong enough defensively to continue to earn his minutes. Um, I, I really hope that he avoids what a lot of young rookie point guards do. And that's fall into turnover traps by twoing to, by trying to do too much too soon. Um, so Killian Hayes is the second thing I'm really excited about. And then I think the third thing for me, and this it comes back to Blake Griffin, is Blake Griffin still a very good basketball player? Or is he, you know, not able to fully come back and be sort of like that Antonio McDice kind of guy, which is pick and pop, you know, diminished from what you once were. And I'm really, really hoping it's the former. First, because, you know, I've really become a fan of Blake Griffin. I, I never really was a fan, but he certainly won me over during his time in Detroit. And then the second thing, for the sake of the franchise, they need him to be healthy in order to trade him to a better scenario and a better situation so that he can move on and so the franchise can move on. So, you know, for me, that that's really the three main things. I think the fourth thing I would say is related to the first, and that's what does this rotation look like with all of this potential versatility um, with all of these young guys, you know, like you look at small forward, you've got Sadiq Bey and Sekou potentially playing a lot at the same position, uh, similar body types and those kinds of things. Like who's going to get minutes and what does the rotation look like? There's going to be, I think, some positive aspects of competition going on internally. These guys are going to have to win minutes over each other. And I think that can be a really positive thing for young players to really have to earn it in practice. Um, but then, you know, does, does Coach Casey – give us fans what we want and give us enough of the young guys in those rotations. Um, That to me is something that I think is really going to be interesting during the preseason. It's only four games, right? Um, We're probably not going to see big minutes out of anyone. We're probably going to see a whole bunch of everybody, Uh, but that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for in the preseason. How about you, Les? Yeah, I think those, those preseason games in particular, right? Like we're going to see Blake play like the first one and like maybe the last one, but otherwise like, there's literally no reason to play your uh, elder statesman right. any like big time minutes in these preseason games. And so like that gives a lot of opportunity for a guy like Killian Hayes to go out there and, and show what he's got, what he's worked on. Um, that gives a guy like uh, a Josh Jackson, uh, a, 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 like a ability to show like what, uh, what he's been able to uh, uh, do in, in the off season. Like, I think that, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of optionality and I wonder like what the, I wonder, I wonder what the offensive structure is going to look like. We talked, you talked a little bit about like how they have the potential to switch in some of these like smaller lineups, that's not something we've like seen very often from Dwayne Casey, right? Like we've seen him either pretty much stick with like straight drop or when uh, at times they would bust out like a two, three zone 
to get guys like moving and communicating and talking last season. Um, and that, you know, had its good moments and had, and it had its bad moments as well. But, you know, with, with this level of versatility and like with the abbreviated, uh, like training camp period, like, and switching is an easy defense to implement, right? Like, I wonder if we do see more of that. And then like offensively, do we see Blake used more as like a roller when, we got when they got Blake in situations where he could go downhill and like uh, do like a four on three and make decisions. He's a good decision maker. Like that was a good role for him. Is that something that he can still do? Um, is you know we I talked a little bit about Mason Plumley's passing ability with uh, T.J. McBride on the Pistons versus Everybody podcast. Is like is is that going to be something that happens occasionally? We're going to see like Mason Plumley like picking out cutters from the elbow, right? We we talk a lot about uh, like last season about Speed Mikhail Luke and how uh, he has improved as a as a shooter and you know got well enough to be on the floor defensively, but on the other hand we've got a guy like Daylon Wright who has prior uh, experience being coached by Dwayne Casey is another ball handler we love we know Casey likes to have multiple ball handlers on the floor at the same time like what what's the training camp battle going to look like there and then like. You know, we've got with between all these guys, uh, between like Josh Jackson and Sadiq Baines and Seku and Jeremy Grant, like we have all of these similarly sized, similarly um, skilled, like not really ball handler type uh, six, seven guys, six, eight, uh, six, nine guys. It's like, what is the the shakeout there? And the other thing I think is important to note is that it's probably not going to be the same all the time either. Right. Like as the season ebbs and flows, right, like we're going to see guys like Sadiq Bay and Killian Hay like hit that proverbial rookie wall. And that's going to be a time when some of the like, quote unquote, younger vets like a Josh Jackson and and like a Zan and Musa, you know, maybe get a chance to to show what they've got simply because like they're more used to the rigors of an 82 or I guess 72 game regular season. Right. And that's something we won't learn until until later, but it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on, like as the season kind of goes along. It's, it's like this is this is just going to be a really like weird season. It's in, it's going to be weird in such a different way than the past season was weird. And the results are going to be so similar because they're not going to be winning that many games. <laughs> yeah. And the question is, can they can they lose the right way? And, and this is where, you know, I'm going to be looking at Coach Casey. Can the front office get on the same page as the coach? This is obviously not what Dwayne Casey signed up for, right? When he came mm-hmm. here, the roster was going to make a push for the playoffs. They made the playoffs, um, you know, obviously on Blake Griffin's wounded knees. And it's just kind of all fallen apart since then. So, you know, like here's, here's just a case study, right? So you've got, as you mentioned, a guy on DeLon, right? previous ball handling experience, previous experience with Casey, you've got Derek Rose, right? You've got to assume that you're going to have rest games for Derek Rose in there. We've seen some sort of unofficial reporting on Twitter that Killian Hayes might be the the starter, but I could envision a scenario where um, Derek Rose starts and DeLon Wright gets a chunk of those backup point guard minutes and we don't see as much Killian Hayes until Derek Rose starts sitting. Like I could see Casey bringing a guy like Killian Hayes along that slowly. And I could see that be maddeningly frustrating. 
Um, mm-hmm. I hope that I'm just, I hope that I'm just overthinking it and that's not going to happen. But I think you could sort of play those games at one, two, and three, right? At point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. And I, I honestly, I just don't know how Dwayne Casey is going to respond. Yeah, I think I would, I would like to think that because they've been talking about how this offseason was going to go for nine months, that that gives them like more of an insight into like how important it is to play these young guys. Uh, I think that uh, with everything, the, with with the way the the rookie like press conference went, I think that Dwayne Casey like is kind of like mentally in a good place to uh, to coach a bunch of young guys into uh, into like a into being good NBA players. You know, like ask him again after like fifty games, and he's like hoarse from yelling all the time. But and we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, but like even even the Daylon Wright point, like I think I I do think that the reporting, the semi reporting that we got from James Edwards the third at the Athletic that Killian Hayes is going to start is uh, is very solid. It makes a lot of sense. You you still want to preserve Derrick Rose even after a long off season. Um, but at the same time, like I wouldn't be surprised if what we saw happen was like Killian Hayes starts alongside Daylon Wright, and then we get like Svi coming off the bench. Um, just because like Daylon Wright is like more veteran, more established, um, and, and adds that extra like ball handling element can occasionally like take the ball out of Killian's hands and, uh, and run, run an offense effectively if Killian's struggling. And, uh, I could see, so I can see something like that, right. Where we're, uh, we're still kind of getting Killian on court development time, but that's coming at the uh, expense of another young guy in Sfi, right? Like Sfi. We we t- I kind of I fall into this trap of thinking of Svi as like a finished product just because he was so good in his role, but you know there's still elements of his game that he could level up, right? Like we're still kind of seeing how he could develop as a pick and roll playmaker for other people. Um, where uh, he took some like impressively like deep shots in the uh, in the in the training camp bubble that we saw earlier uh, this season, and so like if Svi is going to be, and we saw how. We saw how important a guy who can is both like a, a threat to space the floor and who can also kind of put the ball on the ground and make one dribble and a really good decision is uh, for a team in like the Miami Heat with Duncan Robinson and that team made the finals, right? And so if, if you can develop a, a guy like that in Sfi, like you have to, but you have to give him those reps, right? You have to let him uh, chase off screens and you have to let him like come off a DHO, take one dribble and like figure out what to where to do. Uh, where to go from there. And so playing Daylon right, you know, 25 minutes a night doesn't exactly help him do that. And so I think that like even, even little stuff like that, the place where I think this, the, the will Casey play the young guys or not doesn't come up. Fortunately is at, is on the wings, right? You look at the wings, it's, it's Svi, Rodney Magruder, you know, Zanin Musa, Seku, Josh Jackson, Sadiq Bay, and Lewis King. Um, we got like, you know, Wayne Ellington's in there. We got Rodney Magruder in there. We'll see if Rodney Magruder is like even on the team. But like if if Josh Jackson is beating Seku for minutes, like I'm kind of fine with that. I would like to see like what Josh Jackson has as well. Right. If if Zanin Musa is beating Sfi for minutes, like maybe Zanin Musa is like all of a sudden a a really lethal three point shooter because he he fixed something in the offseason. Right. I, and, you know, on the other hand, if, if Seku's just like killing everybody like I, I i saw the workout videos from him in france like he looks good 
And so like, if he's just like on the floor, like killing everybody, being able to dribble drive and has improved as a, as a team defender, not necessarily like an on the ball defender guy, but as a guy who can, uh, you know, execute the, the team defensive scheme. Like that's definitely, uh, that's like, that's a, that's another, like, and he's beating out Josh Jackson, right. To, to do that. Like that's, again, that's like a good development situation. And so I think the, the competition, uh, especially like in the wing spot will for playing time in practice will be, it'll be a good thing. That'll be a good thing for the rest of the team, like across the roster. But um, it'll also like really heavily depend on uh, it'll, it'll make lineup decisions like night in night out. Really interesting. We're going to see, we're going to see Josh Jackson play 25 minutes one night and we're going to see Sekou Dimboya play those 25 minutes the next night. Right. We're going to see Sadiq Bey play 18 minutes and then we're going to see him play like five minutes. We're going to see we're going to see Svee for like play 30 minutes and then like maybe maybe only like 20 minutes. Right. We're going to see guys like Zan and Musa like in and out of the rotation just based on like how they're playing and how they're doing and how they're practicing. I think that's like that's really that's really interesting to me, but I definitely think it'll be it'll be interesting and frustrating for those guys having to like fight and work and improve themselves consistently for, for their playing time. But that's good. I think that's what, that's part of what Troy Weaver and the front office are like trying to establish in terms of like culture. Like you play hard, you play the way we want you to play. You play, uh, you play effectively on defense. You, you execute the scheme. Like you get playing time though. Like those are the breaks. And uh, like nowhere to me is that more, uh, visible than than in the wing rotation like you know blake for example like blake's not gonna have to worry about like playing defense all the time he's blake we saw how uh we saw how much of a a, a, a on the floor kind of general he was on defense rather than like a guy actively like impact making impact plays from the weak side or anything like that but uh you think a guy like you know jeremy grant will be impactful defensively uh mason Plumley will be impactful defensively maybe not um it won't be like amazing defensively, but he will definitely like be a solid uh, NBA level like defensive center. Um, and you, I worry a little bit about a guy like Jaleel Okafor in in the front court defensively. But like again, if Jaleel Okafor isn't playing well on defense, like they have Isaiah Stewart, right? Like they have somebody who's willing to to play in the in the scheme and who needs to prove himself able to play in a drop scheme in the first place. So yeah, it's just like. I think the the whoever 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 fights and wins these these play these uh, these rotation minutes on a night in night out basis, um, I I think having those consistent levels of competition is good for the team as a whole. It's going to be frustrating from a fan perspective and from a viewing perspective and from an analysis perspective, but I think on on the whole, it's probably probably good for development. All right, Ben. Uh, let's see what we got here. There is four preseason games. The preseason games start December 11th. So oh, we have, we have one week, we have one solitary week before the, the preseason game starts. We have, uh, two games versus the Knicks home and home and two games versus the Washington wizards home and home. I believe we'll talk about those like a little bit more in, in the future guys. But yeah, like it'll be, I think those are, it'll be good to see whether or not the Pistons can be better than the Knicks and Wizards. Those are teams that <laughs> they'll be fighting uh, for in uh, all season and uh, for lottery position. 
And so just kind of knowing right away if those teams are going to be good will uh, will help see us uh, see kind of how the how the ball ends up bouncing. Yeah, and you know we've got we'll ha- we'll get a chance to connect next week before preseason officially starts. But you know I've seen some people out there on the internet <laughs> kind of arguing that they think the Pistons could be pretty good, and uh, I think we need to have more realistic expectations about what this team is going to be. Les, I don't. I don't. I think if you, if you as a fan, if anyone as a fan goes into this season, um, and they're the the lens through which they're going to evaluate this team is wins and losses. It's going to be yeah. an extremely frustrating and disappointing season for them. That's um, an excellent point. But I think say that, that again. Say that again. That won't, <laughs> let the people hear that again. Can I can I re- recreate the the magic? So I would say. Um, if the lens through which you're going to evaluate this team is, is wins and losses, you're setting yourself up for a frustrating experience. I think the the lens through which to evaluate the team, I think, is more much bigger picture than an individual season. So it's going to be about um, the individual progress that young players make, and maybe at times it will look like leaps and bounds, but more likely it's small things that you see from game to game or week to week. So maybe it's Killian Hayes getting into the teeth of the defense and, and throwing it away and turning it over one week. Uh, but in the next week, instead of, you know, leaving his feet without a plan for what to do with the basketball, he contains himself and kicks it out and resets the offense. Like those are the kinds of things I think we need to use to evaluate success. And then obviously we know that the roster is not anywhere close to a finished product. So, um, you know, roster movement could be as exciting as any uh, particular given win. But as is the case with with all young teams, I, I do think there will be games where they do pull it all together. And maybe there will be stretches, you know, two, three, four games at a time where they do pull it all together. And, and I think those are the moments that, um, you know, we'll kind of have to fall back on as fans and, and really enjoy when they happen. Yeah. Ben, what, when was the last time we had a Pistons team that was like this young and this this uh, this level of like rebuilding? It's been a while. Well, we haven't been this young for a very long time. Um, I mean, the the last time there was a true upfront and honest about it rebuild is like you know those years just prior to the the. So it's the Grant Hill draft, right? Like, so those years, right? So the, yeah, the the Grant Hill Allen Houston teams. Yeah, like those are the, and that's what mid late nineties. Yeah, yeah. that's been a long time. So yeah, I think I say I asked that to say that I think this will be a different viewing experience than most Pistons fans are used to, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think the novelty will wear off. You know, like thirty games in, we'll all be kind of disappointed that the team's losing so much but uh, at the same time right you you talked about specific night in night out player development um and i think that's going to be an element that fans like focus and, and seize on and that that's going to be a little bit different right like we there's been such an appetite from certain sections of the fan base for a uh for a teardown like for a rebuild like we're not going to get like this team is going to be bad so they are rebuilding but we're not going to get the like very 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 sloppy uh games that we got from some other rebuilding teams like earlier this uh this decade right we're not going to get uh all the times where the you know the 
the Suns were throwing out uh, like lineups with like Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender and like losing by 40 being coached by Earl Watson. Right. Like I think that that was an intentional choice on the, on the part of Troy Weaver to have a team that would uh, compete on defense and not get blown out. And, and like you spoke about earlier, lose the right way. And so we're going to, we're going to get a lot of correct losses this season. Correct <laughs> losses. I can live with that. All right, Ben, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work. Uh, are we going to get more, uh, more insights like lenses through which you should view this season? I think I even got the preposition in the right spot in that sentence. That was good. That was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm on the podcast at BR Golker. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to write more. My kids are reaching the age where they're just a little more self-sufficient than they were a year ago. So maybe we'll even write a little bit this season on the blog. I want to, I want to know what your daughter thinks about sacred Yumboya. That's what, that's what I want to know. I, <laughs> I hope they get featured in your writing. Well, once, well, once she can pronounce that name and is able to understand what's happening, <laughs> we, we can do that. All right. And uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I will also be writing this season. Uh, player previews will probably start in the not too distant future. Some of these free agents should probably get officially announced before I start writing those, but we'll see. Uh, and yeah, you can also listen to my other podcast, the aforementioned Pistons versus Everybody podcast, on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this podcast on. All right, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week.